It's me, your boy Alex, uh, one of the pastors on staff here at Life Church Livonia, and today I'm joined by Nate Wahlberg. What's up, <laughs> Nate Wahlberg? <laughs> uh, if this is your first time on Tell Me More, welcome, welcome to the journey, people. Uh, we believe here at Life Church Livonia that discipleship is not an event; it is a journey. It is not just about moments in a sermon or at a conference or um, at a podcast. It's about talking and walking with people over a lifetime. And I know for me personally, the most rich parts, most formational parts of my discipleship weren't the sermon, weren't the conference, weren't the event. It was all the conversation I had with close friends and family after as I processed those things and wrestled with what would it look like to change and adjust my life to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast is um, we are trying to make those conversations accessible to you so you can join us on journey. And as you know, over the past Gosh, uh, 10 weeks, we've been going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's chapter 5 through 7, and um, we have been looking at Jesus's new way to be human. And so we are landing that plane this week and next week. This coming Sunday is our last Sunday on that series, and then this week of Tell Me More and next week of Tell Me More, um, or maybe the next two weeks are our last two on this. So we're finishing out the Sermon on the Mount Right now, today is Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. And so, Nate, I'm going to turn it over to you. You want to start with reading our scripture? Sounds good. You're going to pull up on the screen, too? I or? sure will. And if you're listening Golly. to the podcast, know you're missing a lot of amazing video <laughs> by yours truly. And uh, some stunning visuals, I might add. It's perfect. Take it away, Nate. All right. Ask, seek, knock. Starting with verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. Mm. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Dun, 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 dun. Dude, I was just thinking, when we did our intro, we should get some sort of like MIDI soundtrack board with an air, <laughs> air horn and all that stuff. So we're going to start with Matthew 7. <laughs> <laughs> is that the crowd cheering? Yeah. <laughs> Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like a even like a, a church friendly G golly sound effect, you know? <laughs> G golly! Or, or the um, <laughs> the Jim Gaffigan, like did he just say that? Yeah, oh my gosh! What did he just say? Yeah, so okay, if you are looking to donate for a stream deck of just ridiculous podcast sounds. Yeah, let's bring this podcast to the, the next level. Oh man. Okay. So we'll start, we'll start with the beginning verses seven through eight. So, you know, just to say it again, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. So, yeah. Um, you know, God is in control and he promises to reveal himself to us, yeah. but he's, he says it in a few different phrases 
here. So let's kind of dissect that. So he uses the phrases ask, seek, and knock. Mm-hmm. And I was curious what your thoughts were on why did he use three? Why did he uh, use similar phrases, but somewhat different in how to approach God? And what do you think he's trying to say mm-hmm. by, by approaching it like that? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah, I think um, one of Jesus's core understandings is that um, it's relationship with God is a relationship. I'm not worshiping an unknown entity. I'm worshiping a God who knows me mm-hmm. and uh, who wants me to know him. And so the ask and it will be given to you, I think in some ways is just part of establishing even like healthy relationships, you know, that like I'm, I'm inviting you to make your wants needs desires known to me and i'm telling you uh, because the the inverse of this is also true if you don't ask it won't be given to you right and so i think jesus is trying to communicate um be open with all of the things that you are longing for Mm -hmm. prayer um and know that if you ask i'm a good father you know he he talks about this a little earlier too in the in the um, Sermon on the Mount, where he says, like, you know, you people, even though you're wicked, good give give good gifts to your children. How many of you, if your kid asks for food, are going to give him a snake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. You're not going to do that because even though you're full of sin, you still are good to your kids. You know. And so he said, how much more your heavenly Father, who has <laughs> no sinful nature, you know, he's perfect. He's totally perfect. And so if you ask for something that's bad for you. And I, I think about my dog, Gracie, who I, I just love so much. She asks for things all the time that are not good for her, uh, that would hurt her. And we don't just not give her anything unless we're trying to teach her not to beg. But everything we do in her requests is for her benefit. We're never just trying to like stick it to her. Mm. You know what I mean? And she's a dog. She's not even a person. How much more the God of the universe to the people he loves that if I ask for something that's not in my best interest, God's not just going to be, you know, sitting on the couch drinking a brewski and going, no, <laughs> right? It's just not, it's not the God of the universe, even right. though that might be some of your dads. <laughs> so, um, you know, it makes me think of, in terms of like, let's say you're talking with your real life dad mm-hmm. and you, uh, I don't know, maybe you, you want his help painting your walls. You just got a new house. You want him want him to help you paint, paint, paint some walls with you. Right. But, but you don't bring it up and you, and you, right. you come, you come to him later and you're like, well, dad, you know, I've been working on my house for the last year and you never offered to come paint my walls with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his response could easily be, well, you never communicated that. You right. never asked for yes. my help. You never gave yeah. me the chance. You never communicated that, you know, right. do you think there's a similar yeah. approach that God's taken with us? And 100%. how does that, how does that relate to like, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe people have different ways of looking at this in their head, but you know, the Lord knows us way more intimately than my dad knows me. You know what I mean? He sees my innermost being. He knows my heart's desire. You know, he probably already knows without me asking that I'd I'd love help painting my walls. But do you think part of it is, I have to think that part of it is the gesture. It's the, I'm opening my heart and taking the time to ask this question. Yeah. And I think, I think some of it's that, I think it's also, um, the only kind of people that expect you to know what they want without asking are infants and children. And as you become an adult, 
part of what makes you an adult is you can recognize and ask for your own wants and needs. Hmm. It, it actually opens you up to way greater depths of relationship because you mature. And so I think that part of the asking is not just, it's not token, right? He's not just like, I'm not going to help until you ask. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you would have just asked me, I would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gee he, golly. <laughs> he's inviting us into maturity. Yeah. He's inviting us into, he's inviting us out of infancy and out of immature childhood into young adult and full adulthood. And part of that is uh, I have a need and I'm asking you about it. And it is also an act of trust. If I don't ask, it's, there's, there's a, a, a lack of trust there, right? Maybe I'm afraid you're going to say no. Maybe I'm afraid you're going to think poorly of me because I can't do it myself. You know, I'm afraid of what the answer could be. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. And, and he's inviting us to get over that and just recognize everything I do is for your good. Everything I do is for your good. And if you ask me for something that's not for your good, I'll respond with something that is for your good. Even That's cool. Yeah, right. This, this makes me think of like, I mean, this comes down to our God is like, you know, he's a powerful God and we're going to get to this later within this scripture, but he's also like our father, you know, he wants to have this intimate relationship with us. He wants to, he wants to be close, you know, to us. He wants to know us. He wants us to know him. Um, it, It makes me think of this idea that, you know, God talks about how just to approach him with our hands open and say like, here I am, Lord, send me, you know, that's a common, yeah. common thing that's discussed within scripture and how we approach yeah. God with like, Lord, use me for your mission. You know, and it's not like, it's not like God needs your permission, quote unquote, to, to, to use you, whether you know it or not within your plan, you know, within his plan. But so much of it is the approach of saying like, I am choosing to open my heart to this and say, God, please use me. I want to be used in your mission today. You know, please use me today. Please open my eyes to what you want to see. Please open my heart to what I need to feel. Like have my ears be your ears and eyes be your eyes. Use me today. Mm-hmm. And I have to think that that's similar with asking it will be given to you. You know, it's just this relationship. It's this approach that God wants to be in communication with us, you know, whether we're asking or offering, you right. know, our time to him he's trying to create wholeness in us home it should be perfect therefore is your heavenly father's perfect he's trying to create this adult maturity where we're like him and that means that it requires initiative of us and i think that's part of the seek and you will find Mm -hmm. right is that um so asking is about vocalizing something seeking is about um searching for something and knocking is this taking initiative Mm -hmm. uh to this taking of action, right? And so I think that that's, those are kind of the three different things. It's this verbal, like I'm letting my needs be known. It's this seeking, I'm taking initiative, not just to just like go, all right, God, whenever you're ready to bless me, I'm, I'll be waiting here. You know what I mean? <laughs> this um, participation, I think is a good way to describe seeking you will find. Yeah, that I'm not just um, lazy in my prayers or entitled, expecting. Well, I asked for it, and now I just have to wait around for the answer. But I think what you're talking about is participating with God in His mission and seeking. You will find is this participation. But the other thing too is, I mean, we know this just in a basic sense. When you really want something, you're willing to seek it out. So if I'm sitting on the couch, I just got snuggled in with a blanket. We're watching a show. 
And I think, mm, I'd really love a LaCroix. If I don't <laughs> want it that much, I'm not getting off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I go like, no, I really, this is important to me, I'm going to inconvenience myself for it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that um, seeking you will find is almost a test of importance. Right? How much does this really matter to me? And am I just being uh, lazy or a little entitled or selfish or don't want to be inconvenienced? Or is this just like really matter and I'm willing to um, go out of my way for this? So, you know, we, we don't even, uh, not every desire is worth seeking out. And we know that just from watching TV on the couch. You know, but the things that do matter to us, God invites us to participate in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Um, and as I continue to think about this, you know, the, you said uh, the whole thing with like seeking you will find, like the Lord will reveal himself to us. That is a promise that he's making in the scripture as well. And we've talked about this, you know, uh, in our friendship before, but just about this idea that, um, you know, let's say, let's say you're talking about your, your boss at work, right? Uh-huh. And you know, let's talk about communicated expectations or, or whatever, like right. who's, Whose job is it to communicate right. the expectations, right? Here's, here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I expect you to do. You know, here's what's going to happen when you do X, Y, Z. And that's the, that's the responsibility of the leader. That's how you've explained it before, which I think is a good way, good way to put it. Right. And in the same way, what's your, what's your perspective with this when it comes to the Lord is promising to reveal himself when we seek him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he even talks about him being a father and being a good good father who will give gifts to us. And in the same way, that's, that's, that's that leadership, you know, figure of power in terms of that's, that's his responsibility to reveal himself to us. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Right. And I, I think that that's um, so Nate's referencing and that I, I heard this from Bill Johnson actually. And um, I think I just thought it was so wise. He said uh, the burden for communication is on the person with more power. Mm-hmm. So whoever has more authority in the relationship, that's who the burden to communicate clearly falls to. And so Jesus is clearly communicating here, hey, if you ask, it will be given to you. And what is it? That's the question. Because oftentimes we assume it is our own desires. But I think what Jesus is saying is it is our own good. Right? Ask and it will be given to you. We know we don't get every desire we ask for. but God is good to us whenever we ask for things. And I think my analogy with my dog is a great example. Sometimes she wants, um, like just the other day, she wanted to eat our spaghetti, uh, which had some ingredients in it that would have killed her. (laughs) That's not for her good. So instead, we gave her a treat that she really liked. Now, she didn't get what she wanted. Does that mean we didn't give anything to her? No. We gave her something that was good for her instead of something that would hurt her, even though she was asking for the thing that would hurt her, right? So, um, yeah, asking it will be given to you, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open. And I think what, you know, God is communicating here, uh, this desire for us to let our needs be known to him, to um, be willing to get up and go for the things that... um, we do want and are the desires of our heart. And then the knock on the door will be open to you. That's a risk of rejection, right? Because there's two, maybe you could argue three options when you knock on someone's door. They don't answer. They answer and turn you away. 
or they answer and invite you in, right? And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, if you knock on God's door, it will be open to you and he will invite you in. And, and this is in the context of the Lord's Prayer, uh, which just happened before, and I'm going to preach on that on Sunday. But long story short, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed, uh, we still use it even though it's an old English word. And the reason we still use it is it's so nuanced and encompassing. And it really means to make when you hollow something, it's not just something you want. It's not just something you lift up. It is an engine that drives you, right? And so our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're saying, God, I'm recognizing who you are. I'm recognizing where you're from, heaven. And I am asking that your identity be the engine of my soul, mm-hmm. right? So because there's a certain kind, this is in the context of prayer. Obviously, when we're talking about um, talking to God, we're talking about prayer. And so in the context of prayer, there's a certain kind of desperation in prayer that only happens when the thing you want most is at risk. And if some of y'all prayed for your spouses, you know what I'm talking about, okay? (laughs) (laughs) When you want something so bad, you're willing to suffer for it. That's what's called passion. That's what the word passion means. It means I care about something enough, I'm willing to suffer for it. And so when we talk about the passion of the Christ, we're talking about Jesus's love for us that he was willing to suffer for. Um, And so there's a certain kind of prayer that only comes out when the thing that you hollow is at stake. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the context of, of that, Jesus is saying, so... When God is who you hollow, when your will, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Ask. Ask for whatever is on your heart and God will respond to you. Seek what you're looking for and you will find it. But what you want, what you think you want and what you really need are not always the same thing. But that's part of the, again, surrendering to your kingdom, your will on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you knock on God's door, if you come to God and say, Lord, I want to know you, I want to see you, I need to experience you, I need provision, God will open the door and let you into his house. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Right? And the question is, and this is where people misinterpret this, again, what do they receive? What do they receive? They receive God and they receive all of his goodness and blessing and they receive um, his goodness in their life. I think my, again, my analogy with Gracie, she wanted something that would hurt her. We gave her something that would help her. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that's so good. And, you know, we're talking about what is this it, what is God giving to you? Would you mind um, pulling up like a side by side with Luke? Can you pull up Luke chapter 11? Uh, We'll look at verses 9 through 13. This was something I found in my reading before this podcast. I thought this was was very cool. So, um, you know, it's the same thing. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit yeah. to those who ask him? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. With like, we're fo- focusing on that now. That's the perspective. That's the word that, you know, the name that Luke gives to the same part of the sermon. Yes. And that's that's the it. That's what right. God's giving to you. So it's not, I love yes. it. I love what you said. It's not, God is not giving us our deepest heart's desires, no matter what they are. He's not promising to say, whatever you pray for, I'm going to give it to you. It's the, I'm going to give you my perspective. I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reveal to you where I'm at work and what's going on with my kingdom and how you can be a part of it. And here's, you know? here's the funny thing about all that, right? What Gracie wanted from us was not the food that was going to hurt her. She mm-hmm. wanted to not be hungry, right? And this is the tricky part about it. God does give us our deepest desires, but the things we think, but, so underneath maybe the relationship I'm looking for, underneath the identity, the thing my identity is attached to, underneath um, the hope and the, 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 new, the new promotion, I'm not looking for the job. I'm not looking for the relationship. I'm looking to matter, and I'm looking to be fulfilled and satisfied in my inner being to know right. who I am, that that person is very good, and that there is a purpose for my existence on the earth, right? That's what I actually want out of the things I'm asking for. And so God does give us that. But it's not through the job because that's not going to set. That's the food that's going to hurt us, right? He gives you the correct, like the right way, like right. the right gift right. that accomplishes the same goal. He gives he, without you even knowing it. Yes, yes, he does <laughs> give us what we're asking for. Right, but he doesn't give us the circumstance we're asking for. He gives us the need we're trying to meet through it, which right. is him, which is his presence. Right, man, that's great, man. And I just I read a I read a devotional recently. Um, it was all about how like Jesus is our model you know, and the whole question was, what is God's will? And I'll just quote this real quick, because I thought they had a really great, great way of putting it, right? Which is, when we ask ourselves this question, you know, you're talking about these gifts, and I'm thinking about, okay, like, you know, maybe selfishly in my immaturity, what can I get out of God? You know, God is all powerful, what can I get here, you know? And, um, you know, what is God's will for my life? What is, what is God going to use me for 10 years from now? What is what is what is God going to do twenty years from now? And it's not like that in of itself is a bad thing, but it's it, it can be the wrong question, which I I thought was a great way to put it. So this is um, you know, this is this is coming from Henry Henry Blackaby. Woo! I know, dude, it's so good. It's so good. And, and what, and fire. I know, man. And what he said was this. Okay, I'm just going to read it because I'll I'll just quote him for it. But he said, "What is God's will for my life?" is not the right question. I think the proper question is, what is God's will? Once I know God's will, then I can adjust my life to him. In other words, what is God, what what is it God is purposing to accomplish where I am? Mm. I think that's so cool, man, because it's not, you know, self-centered. It's not misguided. It's a humble approach to what is God doing around me and how can I be a part of it today? Not what can I do next week? Not what can I do a year from now? What is God doing today? And how can I be a part of it? And I think that that's this gift. I think that that's what God's revealing to us is this Holy Spirit that brings that perspective if we're looking for it, if we're asking and seeking for it. And that goes exactly with what you said. Mm -hmm. I I so, so agree with that. And then 
you know, the, the nine through 12 is just a reemphasis of that. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Oh, you hungry kid, eat a rock. Right. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him right. a snake. God loves you. Yeah. You can rest in that. You if know? you then, though you're evil, which is a bold statement, know how to give good <laughs> gifts to your children, <laughs> how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So mm -hmm. in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Treat others the way you want to be treated, right? Gold. Dude, scripture, scripture is so cool. It just interwines itself and it like mm -hmm. just go to we just talked about it however many weeks ago, but Matthew 6, mm -hmm. verses 35, you know, through thir uh whatever, where um, you know, how much God loves the birds and the flowers, yeah. you know, and takes care of them. What how, of course, you know, how much more do you matter than the birds of the field? You know, and it's like, I just think that's so cool. It's like, this all goes together. Mm -hmm. It's like, God loves you and he's calling you to a place of trust. He wants you to ask, ask for him and ask for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And he's a father who loves you and wants to bless you. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wants you to rest in. And I think that's yeah. super cool. And now you, you may be listening to this and go, well, you know, God hasn't done this for me and God hasn't done this for me and God hasn't done this for me. And, and I want to give you a little example and tell you a story that relates to the the verses 13 and 14 we're about to talk about. So how many of you guys, uh, by a show of hands, which I can't see, <laughs> have seen uh, Toy Story number one? You know what I'm talking about, 1995, Pixar's Maiden Voyage, first computer animated movie, instant classic, voice acted by some amazing actors, Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, pure Michigan, <laughs> and we have... Do you know about that, Nate? He did all the pure commercials? I, I heard, yes. Okay. And then Tom Hanks. <laughs> local legend. Local legend. Tim <laughs> Home improvement star. <laughs> so if you've seen the movie, uh, you're going to know what I'm talking about. For those of you that haven't, uh, the movie centers around a boy named Andy and his toys, which come to life. This movie had every kid in the 90s wondering what happened to their toys once they closed the door of their bedroom. And... Um, Long story short, Woody is Andy's favorite toy until one day for Andy's birthday, he gets a shiny new toy, the new Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, the Space Ranger. And all the toys in the toy chest are marveling at Buzz and how shiny he is. And he doesn't have a pole string. He's got buttons and a laser and wings. And um, Woody He's trying not to feel threatened by Buzz and Andy's new excitement for this birthday toy. And so he tries to calmly explain to Buzz, hey, listen, buddy, there's a hierarchy in this bedroom, and I happen to be on top of that hierarchy. So if you just can recognize that, get in line, we're not going to have any problems here. Buzz, on the other hand, doesn't think he's a toy for the first three quarters of the movie. He thinks he's actually a space ranger. He's landed on some bizarre planet in a crash landing, and he has to get back to Star Command in order to stop the evil Emperor Zerg from taking over the whole galaxy. So in uh, the story, Woody is fighting with Buzz for the whole movie until like the last quarter of it over who's the main character of the story. And Woody thinks it's him. Buzz thinks Woody's story is fake. <laughs> Buzz is actually the main character of an entirely different story that has nothing even to do with this planet. Uh, both of them, because they're fighting over who's the main character, end up actually in the movie lost and broken. And um, it's in that place where they have tried uh, to fulfill both of their plans for being the main character uh, that they find themselves um, broken as toys and lost in someone else's house. 
And that's when both there's this aha moment where both of them realize, oh, this story is not about me. It's about Andy. And I'm Andy's toy. And uh, the last quarter of the movie is them working together to instead of trying to beat each other out at who's the main character of the story, get back to Andy because the real story is happening in a different house and they got to get back um, to who they belong to. And it's a simple movie, but I think it is such uh, has so many spiritual truths. And I think that all of us begin life thinking we're the main character of the story. And so we expect the story to form around us. And when the plot doesn't favor us, but instead hurts us, we go, what? God, Andy, don't you know, like, what happened? You know, why am I not the favorite toy anymore? Why, why isn't everything going my way anymore? And um, one of the underlying precepts of the Christian faith is that actually God's the main character of the story. He's Andy. And you and I are Buzz and Woody. And just because we're not the main character doesn't mean we're unimportant. Uh, because when we take the main character's role, it doesn't make us matter. It makes us empty because we leave the space created for us to fill, the role for us to play unfulfilled, and that leaves us unfulfilled. And um, so if you're listening to this about ask, seek, knock, and you're feeling like that frustration, that confusion, that resentment, that disappointment rise up in you, um, I submit to you that maybe that's because you've been acting like you're the main character in the story of life and God is the... um, He's Gandalf. He's the the really powerful side character that's supposed to come help you in times of need. Um, but you're, the story is actually about you. And that's a, a misunderstanding that, just like Buzz and Woody, will leave us lost and broken. And that gets us into now, the narrow and the wide gates. Love it. Dude, I haven't heard that. It's a good really? Put it. I like it. No, I love it. Yeah. Yep. It's been a while since I've seen that, too. That's just a good movie in general. It's a good flick. Watch it for yeah a rerun. <laughs> cool. Straight yeah, I can tune at a Disney Plus near you. <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right, I can reread the verses here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. narrow and wide gates, verses thirteen and fourteen. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a like a simple yet complicated couple of verses simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Because at a surface level, you know, you can understand it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, you know, it's a narrow path. It's a narrow gate. It's hard to go through, you know. But at a deeper level, you know, what what does that mean, right? So what what are your thoughts? I think there's a couple things. The fact that it's a narrow gate means there's not a lot of people passing through it with you, which means at some point you have to diverge from the group and go it alone a little bit. And I think that's true of following Jesus. There's a point at which it separates you from people around you who don't want to do that. And there's a cost to that, that God is worth. Um, And the fact that the wide gate is wide and the broad road is broad means there's tons, it has a lot of capacity. That's not a two lane road. That's a four, you know, four lane on each side highway, right? And so that means that there's a lot more people, a lot higher traffic. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it can be easy to soothe yourself into um, uh, a state of not being concerned because of how many other people are passing it. But I think that um, the reason I preface with that story is what 
helps you enter through the narrow gate is that realization, I'm not the main character of this thing. This is about God. And God has uh, invited me and is asking me and created me to play a part in this story, not to be its main character. And my part is important because only I can play it. And he made me to play it. Um, but that doesn't mean the show is about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that coming awake in the wide in the wide gate, I'm the main character until the end of the story when I realize I'm not. And uh, in the narrow gate, I accept before the story's over. This one isn't about me. You know, this is told through my perspective, but it's not about me. And you may be wondering, like, well, how does that work? Um, I'd really encourage you to read the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, because every story is told from a different perspective. But there is one character that is in every story and is the turning point of every story, and his name is Aslan. And so every story in the Chronicles of Narnia is through the perspective of uh, men and women who are thrown into this fantastical world. Sometimes they understand, sometimes they don't, but they always come to a crisis that ends up being way bigger than they are able to, um, to deal with. And they need uh, help. And the turning point of every story is that um, this lion named Aslan comes to their aid and accomplishes something he's up to through their life. And Aslan is across every story, even though they're not all from, none of them are from Aslan's perspective, which is just like scripture. Scripture is from a lot of different perspectives. None of them are told from God's point of view, but the whole, every book is about him. Um, and so I think that the narrow gates and the wide gates um, are really about that coming awake to the fact that this is, a, this is either going to be about God or about me. And if it's about me, it's going to lead me to my own destruction. And if it's about God, I have an opportunity to partner with him in purposes that are way beyond my life. Rather than seeing my life as the whole race, I realize I'm in a baton race and right now is my leg. But I, I got the baton from somebody, and I'm giving it away. I don't get to take it with me when the race is over. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, if, so, you know, kind of summarize what I'm hearing you say, it, it has a lot to do with, you know, what your focus is, right? Whether mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of taking a selfless approach with trying to be a part of God's kingdom or if it's more self-centered, right, your daily mm-hmm. walk. I have to think, like, you know, something like this can be such a – um, like I said, it's kind of a mix between um, it's a strong yet a you know strong passage, but also a cautionary couple of verses. And mm-hmm. there's this concept of you know Jesus warns. It's like you know some of you don't even realize that um, I don't know you and you don't know me, and you're kind of like tricking yourself into thinking you do. Or you know that can be like a a difficult perspective to try to figure out. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you balance this idea that you know, the, the, um, the gate is narrow and few will find it, you know, meaning it's probably pretty difficult to go down that path because you have to die to die to yourself and die to your selfishness and all this different, this different stuff. Yet at the same time, you know, Jesus promises that his yoke is easy and that mm-hmm. he's there to help us. And there's this perspective of like, in me, you'll find rest and solace. And mm-hmm. this idea of the Sabbath, there's a lot of different things. This mm-hmm. is a complicated topic to dissect yeah, yeah, in you know, yeah. just a few minutes here but how do you yeah. how do you balance that perspective between it being difficult and also jesus being a provider of peace 
you know? The question is, who is it difficult for? Because mm. what, there's, there is a, a, um, a key word in the, uh, the passage here. Um, it ends, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. But we just read, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So I think it's difficult to find for us because we don't know the way. Not difficult to find for God. Mm. And if we ask, he'll show us. If we look for him, we will find him. If we knock, the door will be opened to us. Mm. And he will show us this narrow way. And so this is about, you know, my strength versus God's strength. What is hard is to try to do things God that are, and this is what, exactly what I mean by being the main character. When I try to find the road, determine the way, plan the route, take the steps, that's hard. When I ask the Lord to show me the way, to be my guide, to not give me the map, but just walk in front of me as I follow him, that's easy. That doesn't mean every task is easy, but it does mean I don't have to figure out the journey. Right. right. Nor do I have to, on my own strength, deal with every bump and detour that comes along the way. Hmm. I just have to follow yeah. somebody else who is in front of me who has all of the power to deal with everything that comes up. I love that. Think of like Jesus' disciples. Mm-hmm. God didn't, when Jesus approached his disciples, he didn't say, yeah. You know, follow me, and here's what I'm going to do with you for the next 30 years. Right. He said, drop what you're doing and follow me, and yeah. just trust tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I love that, Alex. That's this. You're you're called to be in a peace. It's yeah. one day at a time. Right. And you have a God that loves you. He's this Father who loves you. Right. Call asks you to trust. Seek me, and you'll find, and I'll reveal it to you one day at a time. It's why he says, "Give us this day our daily bread." Mm. I'm not giving you tomorrow's bread. Rich dude, you follow me. <laughs> I'm I'm giving you enough to do today, mm-hmm. and then I will. To, and then he says it in Matthew six: Let tomorrow worry about itself. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, but today, today follow me. Do the next right thing in front of you, mm-hmm. because the disciples couldn't even fathom that uh, two thousand years later we would know the names of fishermen and not the names of the kings that ruled them. And their parents you know what i'm saying like yeah can't even imagine god is up to things across all human history that we can't even imagine right and it's about him the story we only know peter and paul and james and john because they knew jesus right outside of that we don't care you know right who who is peter's uncle's name don't know Right, because he wasn't in Jesus's group, but we know about Jesus. And this is, you know, that the um, uh, ask and it will be given to you, seeking you knock. We see other people who Jesus doesn't outright call, like Zacchaeus, um, like uh, the Roman centurion, who come to Jesus and say, "Listen, I see who you are, and show me what to do." Like, right. like the rich young ruler, and Jesus says, "Okay, this is what to do." And whether or not they experience him is whether or not they follow him. Uh, it's, it's not whether or not he tells them the next step. Right. So that's great, man. Yeah. Love it. 
Mm-hmm. Some good stuff. That's some of that good, good right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very good. Well, if you have any questions, thoughts, things you wished we would have talked about with this podcast that you'd like to hear more on, please let us know. You can comment uh, on this video on YouTube. You can reach out to us directly at our website. Uh, there's a button on our homepage called Get Involved. There's another button on our digital bulletin that'll just pull up a form where you can email us directly. We'd love to hear from you because this is to help you take your next step with Jesus as we follow him daily. Thanks for joining us on Tell Me More. <laughs>